As we approach Christmas with just 12 days to go, we tend to rush towards that manger scene with Jesus and his birth. By doing so, we tend to miss that depth and awe of this story that has captivated the world for over 2,000 years. Today I want to take us back to the beginning and slow us down a bit and then head towards the manger scene. In so doing, I hope you'll be captivated by Jesus and I hope you'll see how he is good news for us today. We therefore have a sermon of two halves. We'll first look at the backdrop to Jesus in the Old Testament prophecies and the reason why we need Jesus to come. And then we'll look at the New Testament and that build up to the manger scene with the birth of Jesus next week at our special nativity service. So when we look at this backdrop, when we look at the prophecies and everything that leads up to Jesus, where do we begin? Well, that's easy. We begin in the beginning, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before all time began, God was there. The triune God is the only person, the only entity not created, and therefore the only person that is eternal. God had perfect unity within himself, perfect relationship within himself. He didn't need to create anything, yet he did. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 tells us of the story of creation, how God created everything, the earth, the sea, the sky, the heavens, even the whole cosmos God created. And after all of these things, God declared them as good. He then created Adam and Eve and breathed life into them as image bearers of God. And then he instituted this first couple, this first marriage, making two individuals and then becoming one. And God looked across his whole creation and saw that it was good. Now, he only had one command for Adam and Eve, and that was that they shouldn't eat of this tree in this garden. They had lots of trees, lots of plants, lots of fruit, lots of ways that they could eat. But this one tree, they were not allowed anything from. And with all this said, God's creation was perfect and Adam and Eve enjoyed a relationship with God in the Garden of Eden. But it didn't stay this way. Head to Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was craftier than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now the serpent, or Satan, sought to spoil everything. He was a fallen angel because he had declared that he was as good as God, if not better, and wanted God's kingdom. So having been cast out of heaven, Satan sought to destroy the earth and seek a kingdom for himself. And how was he going to do this? He was going to tempt Eve to do the very thing that God had commanded not to do, eat of the tree. What follows in Genesis is the fall of all of mankind. Eve and Adam both eat of the tree, breaking the covenant between themselves and God. And therefore, they lose out in this wonderful, perfect world that they have and the relationship they were enjoying with God. Because God is just and righteous, and he had to punish sin. The ground was therefore cursed. The relationship between husband and wife was no longer perfect, and it would be fraught with problems. And then childbearing would now become painful. And all of this because sin had now entered the world, and God must punish sin. Now the punishment was not just for Adam and Eve, for sin had entered the entire world. We read in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. From Adam, all were tarnished with sin. All were cursed with sin. Now, when I say this word sin, what I'm meaning is sin is anything we think, say or do that breaks the law of the Lord. 
that breaks the commands that God has given. Let's take that a little bit further. Look at 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is breaking the law of God, breaking the holy commands of God. 1 John 3, 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. If we find ourselves in a continued perpetuation of sin in our lives, we are labelled as the devils because sin is the tool of the devil to break that relationship with God and for his kingdom, the devil's kingdom, to expand and win against God. Now at this stage, some of you will probably be thinking, well, I'm not really a sinner. I don't really do wrong things. And well, I'll always try to do the right thing. Well, consider 1 John 1, 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're not to be deceived. We are all sinful. Take that again further, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our hearts, our very core, we are sick with sin. Each one of us, no exceptions, we are tarnished with this sin that was found in Adam and Eve. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. This is the reality. We have now all sinned. We've all done wrong in our lives. And all of this is thanks to Adam and Eve tarnishing creation and spoiling the perfect design of God. Now, if I left it there, I have a pretty dreadful Christmas message for you this year, don't I? The thing is, though, God's plan didn't end with Adam and Eve. He set in motion a plan that would bring a saviour to the world, that would make things right again, that would bring mankind back to God in a right relationship. And it all began with a man called Abraham. Consider Genesis 15 verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. The Lord's promise to Abraham is that through him, God would raise up a family, a nation that would be far greater than the stars in the sky. And this nation would be the Lord's people and the Lord would bless them. Genesis 22, 18. Through your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Through Adam, all were tarnished with sin. But through Abraham, the Lord would bless the world. The Old Testament tells the story of this nation known as Israel. But sadly, like everyone before them, the people had moments of great faithfulness and then moments of disobedience and sin. And their sin drove away the promises of God and drove them into exile and ultimately drove them to destruction. There was need for a saviour, someone who would save the people for eternity, save them from their sin and bring them into right relationship with God again. Remember, God had a salvation plan and throughout the whole of the Old Testament, we have hints known as prophecies to the one who would come and change things forever. Just a handful of these prophecies, Numbers 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. From this nation, specifically from Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, a scepter would rise. Now, a scepter is an ornate staff carried by rulers to show their sovereign power. So God's salvation plan would be seen in a sovereign ruler that would come from Abraham and from Jacob. Isaiah 11.1 1. 
There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Not only would this ruler come from Abraham, from Jacob, but now it would come from Jesse, who came many generations later. And this ruler would bring great fruit, bring great blessing to the people. Jeremiah 23, 5-6 Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So this ruler, this saviour, this person that would bring about the the everlasting change and save the people from their sin would come from Abraham, from Jacob, from Jesse, and now from David. He would be a king, a king that would bring righteousness to the people. The people will find salvation in this king. They'll be granted eternal security and we'll know this king because we'll know him by his name. It will speak of the righteousness of God himself. Micah 5.2 But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. The king won't be born in some metropolis and large important city. Instead, he'll be born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. He will be born fulfilling the prophecies and he will be born so that he can rule over the people. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God will let the people know how to recognise the king, how to recognise this salvation plan. He will be born of a virgin and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. You see, as we approach Jesus, we have this whole backdrop of sin destroying the people over centuries that God tried and tried and the people sinned and sinned, destroying this relationship. Yet we also have several hints to a king who would bring salvation, who would bring an eternal assurance to everything having changed. Now, I've only given you just a handful of prophecies this morning, but in Jesus we see over 350 specific prophecies fulfilled. This then helps us understand the sheer significance of Jesus, for Jesus is the salvation plan of God. And what we'll see as we now head towards our New Testament passage is that God has been at work since Abraham. And not only does Jesus fulfill every prophecy, but he is the solution to the sin first committed by Adam and Eve. The sin committed by God's people in the Old Testament and the sin that we commit in our own lives. So with this backdrop in mind, I'm going to take our attention now to Luke's gospel and camp out for a while in the nativity narrative, seeing how Jesus fulfills the handful of prophecies I've shown you and so much more. We're heading to Luke chapter 1 and from verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Gabriel was one of the two angels named in the Bible, known as the protector and messenger of God's will. He was dispatched by God only on a handful of times throughout the whole of God's word. And at this point, Gabriel was sent to a town called Nazareth, situated about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. It was a rough time with high levels of crime and known for being a godless environment. 
Gabriel was sent to this town to meet with a virgin called Mary. And we learn that she was betrothed to Joseph. Now in Jewish culture, uh, we have three stages of marriage. We first have the engagement where promises are given. Then we have betrothal with a a significant and and deeper engagement. And then we finally have marriage, usually when children uh, are able to be born. Now Mary was betrothed, meaning she had a significant engagement with Joseph. And it was almost like marriage because the only way to get out of a betrothal was through divorce. Now, with Gabriel only appearing on the scene a handful of times, we know what's about to happen next must be great. It must be monumental. Something was about to change. Verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What a wonderful message to receive from an angel. Mary need not fear, for she was highly favoured by God. Mary was chosen to have a baby. And it'd be no ordinary baby. This would be Jesus, the one who would rule and reign forever. Remember the prophecies? Virgin birth from Jacob, from David. We're seeing prophecies fulfilled in this moment. Now, Gabriel was bringing this wonderful message through Mary. Prophecies are going to be fulfilled and an everlasting king is going to be born. And I want you to notice what is going to be happening with this king. There'll be a kingdom that will have no end and this king will reign over that kingdom. It will be eternal. So this is God's eternal salvation plan. This is what Gabriel's bringing to Mary, that she is going to be the blessed mother of King Jesus, who's God's salvation plan. And you know, these wonderful words to Mary are promises to each one of us as believers in Jesus. Ephesians 1, 6 to praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Just like Mary, we are blessed by Jesus. Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Just like Mary, we'll be blessed with the Lord with us. He will dwell with us till the very end of the age. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just like Mary, we will have an eternal blessing with Jesus, for he is our salvation and he is our eternal king. You see, Gabriel's revelation that Jesus would be born from Mary not only fulfills God's prophecies, but gives each one of us great hope for the future because our sins are finally being dealt with. We can finally get back to right relationship with God. So we must remember this Christmas that Jesus is good news and in him there's great hope because the thing that destroys us is sin and Jesus will be victorious over that sin and he will declare an eternal kingdom for all those who trust and have faith in him. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be called will be called Holy, the Son of God. 
And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age was also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now Mary's not asking because she doubts. She asks for she has no idea how this was going to be possible because she was a virgin. She wants to know the plan of God. She is amazed by what she hears and she wants to know more. And the response of Gabriel is astonishing. It will happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that member of the triune God, will bring phenomenal power to the situation. Mary will remain a virgin, but the Holy Spirit will cause the conception of Jesus. Unbelievable, isn't it? That God would do this. That the Holy Spirit would have power over nature itself and bring about a pregnancy that would bring about the salvation plan of God. This would be a birth like no other. This will be like a child like no other. The whole event will be holy and it will be set apart and Jesus will be holy. Set apart as the only child in history conceived in this way. You see, Jesus didn't become the Son of God. He has always been the Son of God. And at his birth through Mary, we have centuries of God's salvation plan in the making coming before us. It's an incredible moment that Mary's going to be blessed with. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary responds in complete agreement. Mary is the servant of God and she seeks the Lord's will to be done. Notice, the word of God is sufficient. Mary doesn't need to worry about the details. For her plan is to just trust the words of God. For God's word is sufficient. And what we see in the response of Mary is really one of a believer. Her faith is rock solid in God. When she hears of this crazy plan that a virgin is going to give birth to King Jesus, the, the salvation plan of God, she has the faith to say, do you know what? You're in control, God. It is your word that is sufficient and I will trust in it. Now, in the time I have available today, I've only been able to give you just a snapshot of the richness and the depth of the story of God's salvation plan, that it started in the beginning, that from that first sin, God had a plan to save his people. And I can only really go into so much in a sermon, and that is the very reason why we run a daily reading program here at Lincoln Baptist Church. We want to read God's word every day so we can understand it and appreciate and see the depth in it and be captivated by the word of God. And if you would like to join us on the program in 2021, please do email us in, because if this snapshot has captivated you in any form of way, Boy, when you read God's word in entirety, when you see it from beginning to end, it is so amazing and so unbelievable that this God would love us so much to send us his son so that we would be saved from our sins. So do join us in 2021 as we read through God's word. However, for this morning, I want to give three clear and simple applications. So as you look to God over these next 12 days, as you build towards Christmas, you won't just have knowledge of why Jesus came. You won't just have knowledge of the nativity narrative. You won't just have knowledge of who Jesus is, but you will see your life transformed by this good news that is Jesus Christ born in this world. And so here are my three very simple applications. Number one, who is your saviour? Who is your saviour? What is clear from our passages today is that we all need saved from sin. Yet as individuals, we all have things in our lives that we want to be saved from. 
memories that torment us, anxiety that cripples us, financial troubles, the fear of the unknown, relationship struggles, you name it. We all have something we want to be saved from. The question is, who is your saviour? When life gets tough, what do the TV adverts say we should do? Well, just scanning a few in the last few days, what the TV tells us is we should crack open a bottle of wine, eat some chocolate and do some yoga, and then we'll be saved from our world's problems. Yet none of these things are our saviour. None can free us and guide us to new life. None can set in motion a complete transformation in our life. Centuries are covered in the Old Testament and for centuries the people sought a saviour in anything they could find or make, yet they were never saved. In fact, things only ever got worse for them. Yet we're also told in the Bible that it is no different for us today. If we're searching to make things right, if we're searching to, to get right with God, to do the right thing, if we're searching to get away from bad things and into good things in our lives, there is only one Saviour and he is King Jesus, born of Mary, prophesied of old and the sum of God's salvation plan. You need not look further than Jesus for salvation. He can clear your sins, he can set you free and he can give you new life. The question is not, can Jesus save? The question is, will you let Jesus save you? He is a saviour waiting to save you. Will you let him in? Will you let him be your saviour? Will you let him take your sin and crush it? Will you let him come into your life, transform it and set you on fire? Will you let him change your everlasting destination from eternal punishment to eternal reward? It's not can Jesus save, it's whether you're going to let him save you. The second thing I want to pull out is, what is stopping you? What is stopping you? Over the centuries, the people of God uh, flicked between honouring God and then sinning against God. But they never lacked instruction. God always gave them what he sought from them. Yet what stopped them being faithful, what stopped them to be in right relationship, was their continued sin. But it goes deeper than that, for sin comes from Satan. It's his tool to prize you away from God. What was stopping the people coming to God was Satan and his wicked ways. Now, we, when we consider our own lives, we have Jesus on offer to us today. He brings salvation for all our sins. He seeks a relationship with us. He brings us hope for eternity and he brings power to our lives and transforms it into something new. Some fully commit to Jesus. Some half-heartedly hear this message and commit to Jesus. And still some hear this message and reject him altogether. If you are not a Christian or if you are half-hearted in your life before Christ, what is stopping you being totally captivated by the wonder that is Jesus born that we might be set free? Seriously, what is stopping you right now being like Mary, utterly at peace with what God has determined and the words of God being sufficient for all of life? What you will find is that usually your answer will be split into one of three categories. You doubt, just like Eve did, and then are brought into sin. You question, just like the people of God did, and are brought into sin. Or you simply refuse to accept, like Herod did, and are brought into sin. You see, it is sin that takes us to rejection of Jesus. It is sin that causes us to question salvation in his name. And it's sin that stops us accessing that free gift of Jesus. 
And where does sin come from? I've said it twice now. What is sin the tool of? Who uses it? Satan. It's his plan to destroy this earth, destroy your life, make you think you've only got darkness as your whole life. He uses sin to crush any hope in your life. Don't be, saved, don't be deceived today. You're either held by Jesus and you're for him or you're held by Satan and he is using you to deceive you. There's no middle ground. Friends, what is stopping you coming to Jesus is Satan himself. But remember, Jesus crushes Satan and is victorious over sin and death. And I would encourage you today to meet King Jesus, the one who brings you eternal life, the one who saves you from sin, the one who loves you enough to sacrifice his life, the one who truly is God and the only way to right relationship with God. Don't be deceived. Satan is using sin to prize you away from God. And then third and finally, be amazed at Jesus. Be amazed at Jesus. Every time I look at Jesus in the Bible, Every time I look up to the run-up to Jesus, I am amazed by him. He is holy and set apart like none other. We need to pause in this crazy season of COVID and Christmas and just gaze upon Jesus, recognising he is the long-awaited for Messiah, the Son of God, the, the blessing of God, the all-powerful being. Let us be in amazement of Jesus, just as the angels were in Revelation 5. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. So yes, Christmas is about Jesus, but not just about the baby in a manger, but God's eternal plan, God with us, his salvation plan to set us free from our sin. It began in the beginning. It built towards the manger, God always pointing to the Saviour. And in Mary, we find the mother of Jesus and she was find favour with God as King Jesus was born in this world as our eternal salvation in him. It's not good advice. It's not even just good morals. It is the good news of Christmas. Jesus, God's salvation plan. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for Jesus. And as we have just taken this snapshot look at the backdrop to him, we praise you that you have never given up on your people and that you have shown us all the way through that Jesus is that long awaited for Messiah, that he is your salvation plan and through him we might have life to the full. Father, I pray that we would be fully committed to Jesus, that nothing would stop us, nothing would pull us back, that we would be aware of how Satan tries to tempt us away with sin. Father, let us focus our eyes on Jesus and be captivated as the angels declared, that we would give him all blessing and honour and that we would be uh, focused so much on Jesus that we would be in awe of the depth and the beauty of your salvation plan. And so, Father, we pray this in your name. Amen.